previously on Pod Who Cast. Um, the Void. Um, M- M- Michelle, do, do, you, do you see that? It's like a. Oh my like, god! What? What? what like, it's like we're being pulled out of. Out it's, of a, a, it's a void. What, 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 But how will you do that from beyond the grave? It's Potter Who Cast talking about can, every single episode. Can I, can I just what? make a suggestion before you before you go ahead? Yeah. Um I um I know you're you're the host. I think in yeah. the future in the future if if we do any more of these uh of these ones, because we know what universe we're in right now. Um of I course. Think you should ch- you should change the name to to Hodder Poocast. I think you should do that in the future because that'd be very funny. Uh, maybe next episode you should, you should do that. Um, I'll you, right, I'll right. This, our I'll our show is not here. called Potter Hoocast. You're right. Our show is called. No. Well, it could be if you wanted to. I think I think it's a silly name to be calling something, but um... right. Yeah, our show is called yeah. Hotter Poot Podcast. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I totally get it. Uh, sorry, guys, I'm just a little bit distracted because there's a blimp flying overhead here oh, in yeah. Uh, yeah. Ireland, where I'm from. Do you guys oh, have, yeah. do you, uh, David? Do you have blimps over there in Brazil? Um, we do, um, but they're they're called um, they're called. Come on, blimp. <laughs> Chaz Waters. <laughs> <laughs> they're called they're called uh, br- blimp zills. I'm trying I'm trying to figure out. How to, 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 <laughs> Um, we do, we do, yeah. Yes, that makes sense. Yeah. Like, like, oh, yeah, I, I'm was... sorry. I didn't mean Brazil. I meant the South American United States because that is where you live. Yes, and um, of course, you live in the Grand Pan Pan Atlantic uh, stronghold. Yes, um, may, may may go forward. Um, each, each, I, I'll, I'll step back now, and, and um, we can we 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 can we can get going again. I suppose. Um, <laughs> Uh, yes, let's do that. So this is a podcast talking about every single episode of Hot Tordu, uh, Sarah Jane Misadventures, Wood Torch, and 9K. But today we're talking about a little known show from an alternate universe called Doctor Who, specifically talking about Series 2, the two-parter, Rise of the Cybermen, Age of Steel. And I'm joined as always by my co-host... You can trust me on this. It's David. How you doing? <laughs> oh, right. That's the line from the show. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> and of course, today we have a guest, and that guest is. This is world renowned purchaser of high content metal, Sam Higney. Absolutely. Sa- Sam, of course, you're coming to us from the. Uh, where are you going Prison to? Prison Island. Yes. Prison Island, which is Prison still the Island. UK, but you know, <laughs> we, we call it Prison Island lovingly. So You know, I, I love how our universe is, you know, I get a feeling that it's kinda like a similar universe, but with a very very small key differences. Just enough that you could like visually convey that you're in a different universe. Yeah. But yeah, without having to do the Yeah. 
but without having to do any kind of like actual work. <laughs> oh yeah, everyone yeah. like frowns a little more. Like um, you know, dogs meow, cats bark. It's you know like little visual shorthand like that. It, it makes things nice and yeah. simple. Yeah. You know what? You know what's really funny. I I found really funny anyway because in in this from this is from a different universe because you know we have we have the porthole that we found, you know, last yes. year. It was incredible find. It's very funny that they have a because uh, we have our own presidential elections going on right now, and obviously you know we have James Corden running. And he he won't win. We know he won't win. You know it'd be very funny if he won, but we know James Corden won't win the the election. You know, because I mean his his platform is bringing old entertainers back to life. We know that won't work. That won't happen. I think it's very funny that they have their similarities to our place, yeah. but there's all there's obviously differences going on there as well. Like you know. They have phones. Uh, I don't know what a phone is, but I, I, I can assure you it's probably nothing good. Um, it's weird how the, their yeah. reality does not rely on Bluetooth. Yeah. Almost as if, yeah, right. I mean, almost as if someone who was making our reality placed a bet on what technology would be big and just missed that bet all, all together. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, we got a. I got a couple of interesting informations about this episode in the alternate universe. Alternate universe. It aired on the thirteenth of May of two thousand six and the twentieth of May of two thousand six. It was directed by Graham Harper, first and only person to direct episodes of both classic and new Who. Don't know what that means. He directed the Caves of Androzani and Revelation of the Daleks. Never heard of these guys. Written by Tom McRae, who wrote this and something called The Girl Who Waited. Uh, fun fact, he wrote a Series 4 episode that was going to be about the Doctor being on a ghost hunting show while Donna watched it on the TV with her mom at home. But he got rejected for being too similar in tone to Unicorn and the Wasp. Cowards. And RTD didn't like the premise. He also wrote the book and lyrics of the hit musical Everybody's Talking About Jamie. And he also wrote the script for the recent film adaptation. This episode is heavily inspired by the Big Finish, don't know what that is, audio spare parts, which is why Mark Platt, its writer, is thanked in the credits. Mm-hmm. Cool. And the gist is that the Doctor, Rose, and Mickey arrive in the, pal- in, the parallel par- in the parallel world where an industrialist is trying to turn everyone into cyborgs and save the day with the help of a Zeppelin and a mobile phone before leaving, leaving Mickey behind to take out the rest of the Cyberman's proce- processing plants. That sounds a bit rush. Yeah, that's yeah, the gist. That, that sure was that hour and a half of television I watched. Yeah. <laughs> Can yeah. I just start off by saying this is the first thing that came to mind. If you're not going to show the Cyberman until the last 10 minutes, why call the first episode yep. Rise of the Cyberman? <laughs> why yep. not call it the Aegis deal and then the second episode is the Rise of the Cyberman? Like, what is going yep. on with that? <laughs> Yeah, they completely undercut their own. Because I think I, I I can't remember. I I remember being bugged about this when I was like nine, watching it for the first time. I think even in the like the preview, they showed like a little too much. They tipped their hand a bit, and it was like, oh, this is the Cyberman episode. Like even as someone who had never seen Classic Who at the time, was only familiar with that Cyberman head in Staten's museum. Um, I was just like, oh, okay, the Cybermen are coming. Of course they are, and then. You know, they're they're showing him in the shadows and it's all like, oh, it's this new technology. And then, yeah, it just flashes up on screen. Rise of the Cybermen. I baffling decision there. Um, it's comparable to Daleks in Manhattan, honestly, because they try to build up some sense of mystery in the episode for maybe 
maybe 15, 20 minutes of that wrong time. It's um, called Daleks no, in Manhattan. It's just called Daleks in Manhattan. There's something about seeing like a, a title that gives the, the twist of the episode away while the TARDIS is just tumbling around. It's just a very specific chaotic energy Which, to me. Which, by the way, let me just ask right now, is Daleks, t- is Daleks in Manhattan a play on the Muppet Stick Manhattan? Um, uh, I think there was, yeah. it might be, there's like a specific, I was reading about this the other day, there was a specific thing that it's riffing on that somebody mentioned, and I like, I was like, it, it's a really obscure reference, I think it's another musical, uh, let's see, let's consult my earpods and see if I can find anything on the, uh, the, the cyber network of, of Bluetooth or something, um, at yeah, the, maybe uh, it is. Maybe yeah, it is. maybe it is. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. I mean, I do know that the Angel Stake Manhattan is a reference to the Muppet Stake Manhattan. Yeah, <laughs> it's a very elaborate kayfabe. Like now, you know, kids can't ever know that the Muppets are fake, so we had to make an entire city <laughs> for it. The Muppets are real. Muppets are real. What are you talking Muppets about? No, real. this is a parallel reality. The Muppets oh, right, are right. Of fake. course. Of course. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, of course. Yeah. Sorry. yeah. <laughs> I forgot yeah. that in this in this alternate reality, the Muppets are not real and they are not the leaders of Muppet Land. All hail Muppet Land, Kermit be our savior. Uh, but <laughs> but okay, <laughs> listen, Rise of the Cyberman. Okay, all right, here we go. Uh, I think we all told each other that we have a lot of hot takes about this episode, right? We mm-hmm. all were like, we each have hot takes. So I think I'm gonna go first. Um, this episode is two different ideas haphazardly shoved together. On yep. one hand, you have this immediately dated criticism of Bluetooth technology and this like idea that was kind of right but kind of wrong about where phones were going to go. And on the other hand, you have the Cyberman. Like, the first episode is like, oh, look, humanity is obsessed with the upgrade. And then the second episode is like, yeah, whatever, the Cybermen are just going to upgrade everyone because they want to. And that's okay, whatever. Like, who cares? It's They dropped that so fast. It's like, whatever, uh-huh, 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 Cybermen are here. They're the bad guys. It's kind of weird to me. Yeah, I guess part of the the commentary they're trying to make is, like, corporations versus politicians, right? Because you have, like, right from the beginning, they're like, oh, we've got to alert the Geneva Convention. And then they have that meeting with the, the president of England, which is, or the United Kingdom, which is excellent i i don't know what why they made him the president but we'll get into that i suppose um but yeah they have that whole angle where it's like you know they're constantly trying to get shut down but then this megalomaniac with all the money just kind of fights against that so i guess that's part of the theme but um yeah i don't know because they they do get tangled with that like level of personal responsibility of like the customers engaging with the service um that i don't think it quite comes together the way they wanted it to hmm. i my okay i'm going up okay i've got a little corner for myself here it's called it's called the cyberman corner um and this kind of two ideas run together as well i think one aspect of this is that there is i don't think it's overt i don't think it's fully intentional i think there's a a view or a an avenue you can take on this one where it's how capitalism views i suppose the vulnerable or the people outside the one percent as not so much machines well yeah machines or whatever um or unworthy of being quote-unquote human um i think 
you get that like it, it's they're turned into machines who operate more machines to make more machines. They're, they're like he's taking like when you get to that that part he's saying at the end of part one where he's like where the person that says like who like who are these people? Is it, oh they're homeless? They were they were worthless basically. They they like don't don't cry over them whatever. You get the kind of sense that like this is a, this is Lumic doing this thing of I'm going to, you know, this is big business consuming people, uh, turning them into machines, robbing them of all their humanity and all their free will, and get, setting them to work out of sight of the mind, nameless, faceless, whatever. Mm. Which you get then as well because Lumic also doesn't want to be turned into one of these as, as much as he says he'll wait till he's ready. He's clearly not enthused about doing it i also think though and this is an ongoing problem they have never really figured out how to do cybermen on the new new, i I disagree yeah Mm. i i disagree because of world enough in time world enough in time yes but Mm. at the same time it has it's a problem that's in this as well as you allude to earlier on as soon as we get to part two it's it's just all um, well, now they're just robots who are who are come to get you. Okay, okay, um, sure. Yeah, but world enough in time. Come on, world enough in time is great. It's great, yeah. But doc, I, I have a problem with how how they kind of fall to Doctor Falls. I there's another thing as well that like th- like there is a human factor involved in the Cybermen that I think it's overlooked a lot. And yeah, in world enough in time, it gets focused on because it's still. And you get that also that scene where they're all in the the waiting room, or whatever. But I think this episode has two moments where, well, these episodes have two moments where they're trying to remind you of like the human factor of it. I think the Jackie scene in the factory is very effective. Mm. I think if you just have that scene, it's great. I think the whole thing with Mrs. Moore and the Doctor in that tunnel. I think from that point on, the episode kind of crumbles but the whole thing of um you know like oh you can't he can't see me uh the night for the wedding uh boom 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 all that stuff i think that's that's indicative i think it's too i think you take either either you take the jackie moment or you take that moment you don't take both i also think you, you kind of you need to have someone playing that john lumic role who because it, 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 John Lumick is a villain in this is he's the villain he yeah. is the the villain but Roger Lee like <laughs> Roger Lee Pack we'll get into this now. Roger Lee Pack is good and he's very good in this he's Hot take. he's he's hitting a level that I, I think I'd say Anthony Stewart heads the only other person maybe Maureen Lipman who hits this level of they're in outer space coming in to, to take you out. Yeah. But the problem is that at the same time, Lumic is kind of very one note in how they how they characterize him, how they bring him to the to the fore. I I'd love to see what you two think of Roger Lloyd Pack as Lumic. S- because, Sammy, do you want to go yeah. first? Because I have a larger point I want to make about <laughs> Lumic. Yeah, no worries. Um, I think it's really interesting you make the comparison to like Anthony Head and uh, Maureen Lipman because it's that's totally it. He's a very he is one of the most camp villains in New Who, I'd argue. 
and very one note and that's something that can be really enjoyable in an episode that isn't trying to go for this sort of deep ethical theme like even the even the character of um john lunick himself he's you know his whole thing is like i'm dying and like i like part of his motivation for creating the cybermen is to preserve himself as much as it is to like advance humanity but i think the way that um roger lloyd pack plays the role is like it, it's just it's like you say it's a little too flat he's a little too just like i will i will become the most powerful person because i'm rich and that's like it that's the only note he really hits um, from beyond the grave yeah exactly from beyond the grave is like a perfect like that i i okay uh, yeah. i don't want to like like um distract too much but that opening scene is like a marvel comic that is just like that's literally what you get before the title of like a a big like villain arc it's like oh how will you do that from beyond the grave well sir i've got to kill him <laughs> it's like what is that that's but it's great kinda it's a little weirdly paced but it doesn't belong in these episodes i i don't think when they're the core of the cybermen themselves is this deep sort of existential feeling of like humanity wanting to advance itself and become immortal I don't know. It clashes with the campness, I think. Wait, the question I would have, and I still have the point I want to make about uh, Lumic. The question I would sure. have is, um, like, are the Cy- what are the Cybermen in Classic Who? Like, this, this is the thing I always <sighs> get at. Because mm-hmm. I know for a fact the Cybermen in Classic Who were not stomping, delete, delete, all the stuff they gave them to make them more like the Daleks for some reason. To mm-hmm. make them more uniform. I know they were not like that. But if you asked me to be like, what are the Cybermen like in Classic Who? I could not tell you how. Like, uh, they so, are, yeah. It's, uh, it's I'll, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, go ahead, David, because you've got more knowledge. No, so, I, I was just going to yeah. explain sort of a fringe <laughs> idea. But. Yeah, no, I was going to say, like, the, the, the whole idea that they have at the start is that they are what happens if you go too far with technology in a vague way um and by the end of it they, they, like by the by uh silver nemesis which is their last appearance mm. before this they become a uh, foot soldiers who go excellent or yes and walk around so they like this is probably the most character they've been given in a while in a sense i don't mean character in that sense i mean like this is like this is kind of close-ish to what they were back when they were introduced um, mm. in the second Doctor, well, in the first Doctor's year when they were kind of buffed up in the second Doctor's year. This is kind of closer to what they were, um, but it's also fifteen steps away. Um, Sam, I think you probably have a better ex- explanation than that. Um, so yeah, you you yeah. touched on some good stuff. I think the the main thing I wanted to touch on was that it's interesting they went for the parallel world angle because the original home of the Cybermen, Mondas, it's like I mean that's the whole title of the episode, the Tenth Planet. It was part of the solar system, and then it spun off and became this ice covered wasteland. It's essentially a parallel world to Earth, like it would have been Earth if it, had, or it would have been a second earth-like planet if it stayed in the solar system but it went off into space um you know there was a massive sort of climate change and it became um covered in ice and nearly inhabitable and then the population of that planet sort of adapted to 
become more resilient to that area is from what I understand, at least like the premise of it. And then of course, as the Cybermen reappeared more and more stuff like the removal of emotions and like the want to conquer other planets um, sprung from that. But um, yeah, that's like the, the main concept of the Cybermen is that they're like a parallel uh, that uh, its citizens like needed to adapt to um, it's sort of hostile climate and then in sort of a ship of theseus turn they become more robot than man um right. so that was something that definitely got lost in the later serials like i haven't seen much classic who in its entirety but i've i've seen clips of the sixth doctor where they are like these very round men <laughs> walking around in suits going oh yes the great fan excellent and then there's like barely any voice changer on them they just sort of are these guys like waddling around um um yeah, and and I think they have like a weakness to silver or something. They really like go on gold. like the supernatural gold. There you go. So not quite like werewolf levels of um, <laughs> but you know more like a were rabbit. I guess I just watched that movie the other day, so that's just on my mind. Um, the Wallace and Gromit movie, but yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's interesting that um, you kind of view them as as not having much character, Michelle, because that was something that kind of. They did. It was weird. They kind of diverted as they went further along. And this episode tries to recapture that in some ways. But I think you guys are onto something when you say they do kind of become robots. There's bits in the second part, especially when, um, you know, they use the the EMP on that one that actually like reveals her name. And then the doctor basically euthanizes her, which is pretty, pretty dark. Like, my God, Um, Uh, that was supposed to be the original script. That was like a 11 year old kid. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I was oh, like, I'm glad they didn't God. go there. Yeah, glad they they stomped that under the rug for at least a Jesus year. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, but here's the thing. Okay, here's what I'll say about about the Siren Man. The thing I always found very fascinating about them is the idea of survival. And I don't remember what episode is this. I think it's World Enough in Time or mm. The Doctor Falls, where he basically says the Doctor basically says like. The Cybermen are the inevitable conclusion of the human race. Like, there's mm-hmm. always going to be Cybermen because the humans are inevitably marching towards that. And I personally think that's like a view that made sense in the 60s and the 70s. But mm-hmm. nowadays, nowadays, if you were to make a Cybermen for the modern age, like, in what you would have to deal with the algorithm, you would have to deal with social media in the ways that we have been turned into data. Like, it would be all mm. about data. And it seems like Dr. Hui is very much not interested in that at all because the last time they used Cyberman, they were like, oh, I, I actually, it is me, the uh, Haunting of Villa Duodati defender. I like that episode up until the last five minutes. Uh, and I feel like them, them as like a scary monster, just, just like a, a scary Frankenstein cyborg, worked mm. really well. I didn't know Timeless Children is a whole nother story. But to me, it's like whenever the Cybermen are used as like this metaphor for lost humanity, they work really well. I mean, that's why World Enough in Time has probably, in my opinion, the best last scene of New Who. Like, sure, sure. Yeah. I can be- see that. Yeah. But here, that element of survival is completely stripped out, right? Like, it's they're not doing this because of survival. They're doing this because one guy is like, I want everyone to turn into robots. And his desire to turn everyone into robots is never really explained. Like, it's like, oh, I'm a guy... By the way, 
Can we stop making people in wheelchairs villains? Anyway, um, he's like, oh, I'm sick, and so I want to become a robot, but also I want to turn everyone into robots. It's kind of like, mm, but why? They never really yeah. get into detail on that. And also, I think like that's the problem. John Lumick, if John Lumick was a stronger character, this episode, this whole two part, I would have worked much better. But because John Lumick is from the start, from literally point one, he's just like an outrageously campy villain. And Roger Logpack, he knows exactly what he's he's doing, and he's doing a great job at it. But because he's just a weird ass villain, you know. Just like an, an insane guy who wants to turn everyone into robots again for no reason. It's never really explained why he wants to do this. The whole metaphor with the Bluetooth, with the upgrade, it just gets completely lost. Mm. And it's funny that like they made this in 2006, and you can tell because everyone has a Bluetooth <laughs> phone, which is a thing that would not be that would just completely because like that would just not exist a year later when the iPhone came out. And you and Sammy, you said that if the story had come out three years later, they would have like had Rod, had John Lumick code quote retweet somebody or somebody. It, it would be like about yeah. social media. He, he but, put out a banger tweet, and it would destroy the Cybermen <laughs> somehow. But I, I think it would actually be about Steve Jobs, you know? Like, mm. and I actually do think that there's a little bit of that in this, like. Mm. My roommate pointed this out. My roommate, who's he's not a Doctor Who fan, but he watched this two-part with me. But when the Cybermen are like upgrading his compulsory, and there's no other mm. option, he kind of went, "Oh, like Apple," and I was like, yep. "Yeah, like Apple. You're right. There is a little bit of Appleish, but because the whole like CEO phenomenon had not really taken off by that point. I mean, like the celebrity CEOs you had were Bill Gates and Steve Jobs, maybe. Yep." They really did couldn't make John Lumick like this character that was really strong and that would tie it all together. And so that's kind of why this whole thing falls apart in the second episode. That's what I find quite interesting. I was I was trying to because there's obviously layers of like satire and social commentary in this episode, like it's unavoidable. Um, and the thing I was trying to look at it was from that 2006 perspective. And like, I think I can see how Pete is meant to be kind of like a Richard Branson figure, uh, Richard Branson figure and how he's like, oh, I'm the everyman. You can trust me on this. You know, I'm, I'm just some some random dude who owns a private island. Um, but then Lumix like way less clear. Like when I was trying to define him, I was like, I, uh, yeah, I guess he's got a bit of Bill Gates and a bit of like Steve Jobs. If I was looking at it from a modern perspective, I'd maybe see him as like a Bezos, especially in like having this giant warehouse where he has like a bunch of robots making more robots. But like Jeff Bezos didn't have anywhere near the notoriety in like 2006 as he does today. Um, so yeah, I don't know who Lumic's supposed to be, honestly. Um, right. Yeah. Not that he, any, he has to be any particular individual, but I just, you know, the, the satire kind of doesn't sit <laughs> if it, I can't it, tell who he's supposed to be satirizing. It's, it's funny. I might change my mind later, but I actually think this works better in Daleks in Manhattan because the guy in Daleks in Manhattan is supposed to represent... So they have a very clear satire their like point of contact they're making with industrialism and the people who built these buildings and how they just use people to build these great buildings and totally didn't care for them just mm -hmm. like the Daleks would like it's much clearer even though that episode is a whole nother mess in a whole nother direction but sure. yeah that's kind of what this two-parter is missing 
Yeah, Mr. Um, Diagoras, I think he was called from that episode. Yeah. Like, um, he's like way more charismatic. He's a lot more compatible, uh, comparable to um, Van Staten, I'd say. Like in that weird charisma he has. I think the the weird thing about Lumic is like nobody likes him. Even his secondhand <laughs> man like tries to kill him. Like the first chance he gets, like. You don't believe how this guy could have, like, risen to any form of, like, influence or power. He just, like, instantly kills any scientist who, like, wants to, like, report him to the authorities. Not even, like, in a, like, oh, I'm betraying you way, in a, like, hey, like, ethics kind of way. Um, yeah, it's, it, he's just a, he's a hard character to believe. Like, even the politicians are like, yeah, he's insane. Like, uh, it's, it's weird, man. It's weird. Even by who standards. Um, are we going to talk about like Noel Clark as well? Because Missy okay. has kind of a huge arc in these episodes, yeah, and I didn't I didn't realize before I rewatched these. Yeah, we we've avoided until now talking about Noel, Noel Clark. Obviously, Noel Clark, um, what he did uh, is absolutely reprehensible. It's disgusting. He is yeah. a huge piece of shit. Um, Ricky in this episode is. See, I, the problem with this, the problem with this, like stepping outside of Noel Clark as a person, the sure. performance in this as Ricky, I think, is I think the whole Ricky thing itself is very, it's it's a bit too much to be adding on to the episode. Like it's 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 there, so he hasn't he has an excuse to stay behind at the end, obviously. To yeah, yeah, to take Ricky's place, um, but it's it's it, it it's a to my in my mind, it's, a, it's too much to be eye on to like alternative versions of people. Mm. Let's not let's say um, it it it's not helpful for the fact that Noah Clark's only idea for how to make Ricky a different character is to always always be scowling. Yeah, like, yeah, that is literally his only acting difference. He says all the lines the exact same except his eyebrows are just bent down all the time, and it's like it's very noticed. It, it, it's it's so easy to notice because you're, you're like, he's just doing that. And I listened to the director commentary and they were talking a lot about how, you know, it was important for the the emotional thread of this episode to be uh, this a decision of what to do with Mickey. Mm. And I feel, I feel like that was kind of a mistake because the, this episode starts with a joke about now nobody cares about what Mickey's doing. Like, Mickey has never been every time the show is like but now let's talk about mickey it's like show you just spent season and a half telling us nobody cares about mickey and you want us to care about mickey it's like no we're not gonna do that we got better things to do so every time the show is like here's some here's a story about mickey i'm like i don't care please stop <laughs> Check, I mean, find was, another thing to do that was the weirdest thing to me like because i i felt like through series one, they had kind of built up like Mickey becoming part of the sort of like TARDIS team. Like he he hacks into the nuclear commands or whatever in uh, World War Three, and then he helps like open the heart of the TARDIS um, at the end of the series. So then it's like okay, so he's he's becoming more prominent. They're kind of like building him up to be this part of the team. And then of course he joins them at the end of school reunion. He's around for one episode after that where he's also still kind of sidelined. Um, and then there's this two-parter, and then he goes away, and it's 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 an odd direction to take the character. I I don't know, maybe um, you guys would disagree, but I felt like they were building up the character to be a more 
prominent companion and that they just sort of sideline him after this episode where they're kind of like, eh, he's kind of gaining some self-esteem and becoming less of Mickey the Idiot or whatever. Well, the previous um, episode had him basically admit, I'm the tin dog, right? Yeah. And, and so it's like, like if you replace... The thing is, if you had an episode all about K-9, it would work a little bit more because you wouldn't... You, you wouldn't start an episode about K-9 with a joke about how K-9 is useless, you know? It just feels like the show could never really decide if they wanted us to laugh at Mickey alongside the Doctor or be like, Doctor, that's not fair. Mickey deserves your attention just as much as Rose. Except nobody believes that. Like, <laughs> the movie, the, the, the show does not believe that. The show at no point makes any attempt to convey that, that what the Doctor is doing is bad. Like, it's always mm-hmm. framed as a joke. It's like, oh, it's funny how little he fucking cares about Mickey. Yeah, the doctor kind of comes across as an asshole when there's that scene at the start where Mickey's like holding the button and he just like never really needed to do that. And like, it's, I don't know, it's one of those scenes that con- I, I can totally see where people are coming from when they say that like 10 and Rose's um, chemistry feels a bit toxic. It doesn't feel great. <laughs> it feels like they're just sort of like obsessed with making goo goo eyes at each other and every other character is just kind of a joke or like someone getting in the way. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I feel a bit bitter about how their relationship evolves in series two, so I'm sure that's part of it. And it yeah. also doesn't help that... Sorry, David. It, it doesn't help that this episode has a much stronger emotional core that it also sidelines, which is the stuff with Rose and her dad, which we are naturally much more invest, invested on because we had like an entire episode about this. And you know, this was like kind of a recurring plot line in season one. And so when we have Rose be like, I want to meet my dad, I want to find find my alternate dad, and then discovering that in this universe, her alternate mom didn't want to have kids, and she gets kind of sad about that. But just like every other plot line that kind of gets dropped to the side by the end, it's like, cool, cool, cool. That stuff is much more interesting, but also y- <laughs> you can't do that and, <laughs> and the Cyberman. But the, mm. the episode very clearly is like, okay, if I have to pick, I pick Cyberman. Everyone else, fuck off. Yeah, which I, I don't know, I guess is kind of the right choice for like the first episode with the Cybermen in the new series. Um, right. I will say I do like, in, like how the second part like raises the stakes. Like I felt like the first part was a little, um, I don't know, it felt like weirdly slow. I don't know if you guys felt that as well. It was just sort of like, okay, yeah, like I maybe part of it's undermined by sort of knowing the Cybermen are coming, but it's also like, you know, you call the episode Rise of the Cybermen. Yeah. And you're trying to establish all this mystery. Um, you're just kind of, you know, you're waiting for the fireworks factory. It's like, when are the Cybermen going to show up? Sabi, I was uh, I was about to say that. I was going to say it's like you titled the episode The Fireworks Factory, and then they only get to the fireworks <laughs> yeah. factory at the end of the and episode. The last two minutes is the doctor being like, oh my god, it's the fireworks factory. factory. And you're <laughs> like, yeah, we up. know. Every yeah. time you just see the fireworks factory, like, shadow and all that, it's like, if you're going to yeah. do that, why name it fireworks factory? <laughs> yeah, seriously. We, yeah, we're going to talk about this in five years, but really, I feel like the 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 the, the TARDIS team from series eleven and twelve is one the of the fam. biggest wasted opportunities because at no no episode I can't tell you a single episode where it feels like that was consciously written with there's three people in the TARDIS, let's all use them. It was always like, all right, we have the Doctor plot, we have the Yaz plot, and Graham and Ryan are doing something else. We have the Graham plot, and Ryan and Yaz are doing something else. It always felt like the other two. There's always just going to be every episode has an other two. It's just weird. 
Yeah. Something else that's weird. Um, and it might just be my DVDs. I don't know. The sound design in these two episodes is absolutely yes. Oh my god! Bonkers. I thought that was just my Blu-ray too, but you're right. Oh my yeah. god! Thank you. So, so many like stock sound effects as well. It was it was really like the, the person walks into an incinerator and you hear that like noise and then like <laughs> yeah. I mean, also, you, that, okay, like, listen. Big, that big claw with the like injector that they keep showing. Like they're really proud that of it, is... even though it's this like Hanna Barbera like. Is... It's such a Fallout 2 ass animation. Like, I feel like I, I'm hearing you have been lost. You lost the way to the vault and you will be lost forever. Sands of time. Like, I swear to God, that animation of the Cyberman head raising out of it. Yeah. I could basically hear the Fallout 2 soundtrack in like. <laughs> That is the, that the is like screen. that is like a game over FMV in like a Sega CD game. Uh, yes, it's yes, like... yes. <laughs> you became with the, the Cyberman with, with the death of this character. You sever the trends of time. The trends of time. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's, it's such a weird choice. And also, I mean, let's talk about it. Uh, the fucking stomping is so annoying. It's <laughs> yeah. such a bad <sighs> choice. It's I, such. They, yeah, I have a fun personal anecdote in that, like, I'd just recently been to a wedding a couple weeks before this episode <laughs> aired. So I got a new pair of, like, fancy shoes, and they were very stiff and difficult to walk in. And around the time this episode came out, while I was, like, breaking them in, I'd, like, stomp around the house making, like, Cyberman sounds because they were so stiff. It was just literally, like, stomping the Cyberman boots around. That was something I felt the need to immortalize. Um, anyway, it just, every time I think about the Cybermen, I think about these horrible horribly stiff shoes that I had to break in. So I, terrifying I think, in its own right, I guess. Do you think that the, was what was the, I I sorry, I'm so sorry, David. I just need to know well what was the idea behind that? Like why? I just want Russell D. Davis to sit down and tell me why <laughs> did you make the Cyberman stomp? Like what was the idea behind that? Did you want them to have a scary noise? Like what was it? It was because Stomp was big on Broadway and they're the Italian deal. Fuck you, the Cyberman group. <laughs> um, All right, that's funny. What I was going to say is that they never, they, I, the problem, this is going back to a point like half an hour ago, but the problem with them not really getting how to do the Cyberman in New, in New Who is that the designs never really come together. Like they, like they replaced this with the very, very fast. Iron Man looking Cybermen in uh, in Series 7, which are, I would say, a downgrade in design as well because you have the, you get, you can, you can get rid of the stomping and you add in like Quicksilver effects, which were all the rage back mm. then. So I, I can understand what you do that for. Oh God, I just remembered about that. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah, I had completely the silver, the silver nightmare or something. The nightmare in silver. The, I had nightmare in silver, yeah. Dude, uh, t- quick tangent. Nightmare in Silver is like I remember because that was back when I was really active in like this uh, Doctor Who Fred on a forum I went to and watching the reaction to Nightmare in Silver because kids listening to this you have to understand there was a time when the words Neil Gaiman is writing a second episode of Doctor Who would make everyone scream and shout with joy and then we yeah. would, it, it was like the Vince McMahon meme it's like Neil Gaiman is back ooh he's writing another episode ooh with the Cyberman ooh like we were all so excited and then nightmare and silver came out and i remember people just being like what the fuck was that like like it's such a weird episode (laughs) but then again last time we got an acclaimed uh british writer into writing episode we got shada so (laughs) shada shada (laughs) 
He should have said the Cyberman the Shada. Ah, That's why the doctor says beat you cock to the Cyberman at the end. <laughs> I haven't seen Cyberman. like. I have seen Haunting of Villa Diodati, but that does sound like the Cybermen go to Sharda, the episode. Like, <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong. Um, hey, oh, I was... we're going to Sharda. <laughs> Fam, we're going to Sharda. <laughs> it's time. Um, oh, I was going to say something, but I've, I've completely forgotten it now. I think it's just, I, I will defend the stomping somewhat because it does make the Cybermen actually look heavy because those suits, bless the actors in them, because it must be like a, a hundred degrees in there. But like, my God, they look light and flimsy as all hell. And any effort the actors are putting in to make, and the sound design and, you know, everyone else is putting in to make them look heavy is like commendable because if they look weird and light and flimsy, you don't really buy them as a threat. I mean, we'll, I'm sure we'll get into it when um, you guys get to the finale, but um, the Daleks kind of killing the Cybermen very easily kind of undermines any threat they had from this point on. <laughs> and even going back to this original episode, it's hard to see them as a threat when it's like, well, yeah, like a laser will take them out. Like, <laughs> they, you know, they're not these invincible beings that they want you to believe they are. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's tough, isn't it? Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. Shut up. Oh, I do Shut. also want to give a shout out to the cyber leader and his weird, like, exposed brain. Like, right. that's kind of fun. I, it's also just kind of telling about John Lumick as a villain that even when he gets told into a Cyberman, like, it's very clearly him. Like, he's so visually <laughs> distinct, and it's, like, clearly Roger Lloyd Pax's voice. He's in the still voice in changer. a wheelchair for some reason. <laughs> yeah! yeah oh, I was, yeah, this is what I was meaning to say. There's this whole part where the Doctor's having this big, like, theological debate with the Cyber Controller for, like, two minutes, and, like, the Cyber Controller just sitting in this big throne gives it this really <laughs> weird, like, debate energy. He's like, well, you just tell me, you know, uh, why is it so bad to not have emotions, you know? Tell me this. And then the doctors are like, oh! Hypothetically speaking, if I had no emotions, you would be wrong, right? Correct? Hypothetically speaking, just go with me on Oh, it's, it's, yeah, it's a lot. And there's that part where he rips the pipes out of himself as he's going after them, and it's like metal as fuck, but then he goes, in this, like, pantomime, like, yow. If if the Cybermen attacked, Ben Shapiro would absolutely be like, hypothetically speaking, why are they bad? Why are they bad? Tell yeah. Me. If the people don't want to be Cybermen, they don't have to be Cybermen. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, you, you you have a choice, and uh, you don't have to be Cybermen. And uh, hypothetically speaking, that is a correct choice. Oh, so. That's absolutely what would happen, though. <laughs> oh, I hate that. It's so Aren't true. You, I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> Good Lord. He would be, he would be on the side of every single Doctor Who villain. The Observer Loft is a job creator. He just creates jobs. The Observer Loft, and and Davros is like solving overpopulation when he like disintegrates people. It's like it writes itself. The man's a monster. Good lord. Um, anyway, have we, have we covered most of what we wanted to cover or is there anything else? <laughs> we we know, you know, a, you know, a Potter Who cast episode has reached Zenith when we start doing Ben Shapiro voices. <laughs> That's like yeah. the moment we were like, all right, all right, we did all we had to say. All right, time's, time's running out. <laughs> can, can I say a little bit about the direction in this uh, episode? I, I thought directing wise, there were some really interesting choices here. Uh, there's this like... 
there's a very very clear directorial intent behind it. Uh, we talked, we made a lot of fun uh, jokes on the expense of the whole like not showing the Cybermen in the episode named Rise of the Cybermen. But the sure. way the Cybermen are not shown is a cool like secretive way. If we did not know this one, a Cyberman episode. It would be kind of like, is that a Cyberman? Is that a Cyberman? We don't really know. It could be anything. They don't. They don't talk like Cyberman. They don't walk like Cyberman, and all that. Uh, there's this thing where when he goes into the party, the camera goes handheld, and it's it's great too. Oh, there's, yeah, yeah. The, the direction is just very snappy and very like uh, noticeably like well shot, which is why when it gets into the stiff parts, like the speech the Doctor does at Lumic, you kind of notice it, like. Where it's just uh, them talking at each other, which Doctor Who loves to have the Doctor do a speech at the end, but you can make that speech look a little bit more visually interesting. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's just kind of pirouetting around the room and then gurning at the camera. It's like <laughs> there's not much to latch onto, like visually. Yeah, it's why they get Graham Harper to come back to do um, series three finale. Um, I think he might do series. He does something in series four, and he he does something in Sarah Jane as well. He's kind of like he's he's one of their their heavy hitters where they're like, okay, we have a big episode. We'll get Graham in to to do that one for us as well. Yeah. Last thing I want to ask is: so what the doc the lead what the doctor does at the end the the thing he does where he gives the Cybermen back their souls? Did anyone else think that was a little bit fucked up? <laughs> Oh yeah, totally. Right. That is and one of those things where they, they glide over it. I think they're aware of the like horror of the situation, but they're also like, well, we kind of have no choice at this point, so Right. It it no, but that's the thing though. In the in the show, they have Miss Hooper, whatever she's called, I don't know. She's like, You have no option. We have to disable their emotional inhibitors. And it feels like the kind of situation where the doctor would be like, No, I can find another option. But then he doesn't. He just does that. And it's like, mm, mm, you. That's true. Yeah. There's no other option. Yeah, I'm, I, I got to agree there, honestly. That did really feel like that was where that beat was going. But um, I don't know. Yeah. yeah that, sh- that shot of the Cybermen looking at themselves in the mirror and the doctor just Crying, behind. basically. Going, yeah, the doctor's just behind going, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Which. I feel like this episode he did that three times, four times. Probably. <laughs> it was just to me. It just come across to me as like mm, that was a bit weird. I d- I don't know when this episode was like filmed as well, but it does feel like um like David Tennant's still getting very settled in the role. He feels like more whimsical than usual in this one. Um, right. There's you, a line where he's like a little bit of that darkness. Yeah. There's a line where he says, uh, "What does he say? Uh, I call you a genius, but except I'm in the room." Oh and, my god, yeah, that was like a Rick and Morty line. Like, I'm yeah. not kidding. I swear I've heard that line in Rick and Morty. It's not, it's not that the 10th Doctor wouldn't say that. It just came across like, the 10th Doctor would not say that at that moment, you know? Yeah, this far into the episode when the stakes are like this high. Yeah. Um, yeah. He would say that, maybe he would. It's, it just came across as a little bit like iffy. Yeah, he seems so like out of control for the majority of the episode as well. Because like, right from the, the jump, they're like, well, he's he's fallen through a rip in space and time like this has never happened to him before wait do, do um, they ever do they ever explain what that fucking rip was i think this is the only doctor episode no. where they didn't do a big finish box set about what brought the doctor to the alternate universe it's, I, it's just, clearly the crack yeah. in time and Stephen moffat yeah. is a secret genius 
he 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 does say it's a crack in time that they fell through, but I, I don't think they ever they ever reckoned it to be like, oh yeah, it's it's the crack in time. Yeah, um, they he, didn't make it he, so it was like Adam Mitchell yeah. like pulling him out he, into yeah, just, the he, parallel world or whatever. He's just a shit driver, basically, is, is what happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, think I it would think be, when I, I, I want to think that they oh, were going to reveal that um, Mickey was supposed to be holding that right. button. I was going to say that. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that. I thought there would be a moment where they would be like, "Oh, actually, Rick Mickey was the one that was keeping us in the universe, <laughs> and we fucked yeah. it up." But then they didn't do that. Yeah, yeah. Weird, Weird man. Yeah, strange two-parter. I, I remember um, re-watching it with my friend like uh, about four years ago and I was getting him into the series and I had like this sort of, th- that was the first time I'd watched it since it originally aired. So it was, you know, nine years old at that point. And um, I'd built it up in my head so much more than what it actually was. And when I re-watched it, I was like, oh man, this is, this is weird. This is really like campy. And if it feels like it's skipping over a lot of the stuff that it should really be going into more detail on. Um, and yeah, I, I'm I'm super mixed on it. I can't say I was like bored, but um, I don't know. It's one of those things that it's an easy critique to make, but it does smack of like some some missed potential in places and like a little too many ideas sort of fighting to um, have prominence. There's a tiny bit of information I want to say before we uh, go do the Wikipedia game, the game we always do in this podcast, which is remind you all is in an alternate is in a totally not alternate universe. Doctor Who takes place in the alternate universe. So I read that Roger Lloyd Pack said that he based Lumix portrayal on Donald Rumsfeld. And he said, <laughs> who, I thought, who is a power-hungry mad person who believes he's completely right and has a lot of control? Donald Rumsfeld came to mind. He's as bad a man as I see around now. Um, R.I.P.? <laughs> Very not much. Very not much. Rest in hell. <laughs> no, no, wow. I said rest in pit. I said rest in pit. Peace, piss. Is this this is the second time Donald Rumsfeld's come up in, in this in this run of of, of recording? Really? This is what this was the, the first real time? Art? Yeah, I caught. Are you guys? Do you guys think I, I it, like you're you're putting across that it's Shada, but it's actually Donald Rumsfeld? <laughs> Donald Rumsfeld is in Shada, actually. Oh. Oh. <laughs> if you go look at that Cheetah Tellmaker running around in the museum, right next to the frozen still photo of Jackie, is the frozen still photo of Donald Rumsfeld. They're both in Shada. <laughs> sure. The fourth doctor was like, Donald Rumsfeld, beat you, cock. <laughs> Christ. Oh, God. Sorry. Um, Wikipedia game. Shall we play the Wikipedia game? Yeah. All right. So, today's, so the Wikipedia game is where I open up a random article on Wikipedia, and you folks have to guess what that article is based on a certain set of information that I'm going to give you. All right? Mm-hmm. Uh, give me just a second. Okay. So this Wikipedia article is about a fruit. Although, botanically, this fruit is considered, considered a berry. Banana. Fuck you. Nah. Banana. <laughs> Banana. How the fuck did you know? Banana. What the fuck? <laughs> it's the, the berry thing gave it away if you were like the ninth doctor once held this and said a very funny line I, about potassium then yeah funny enough when you when you said it's a it's a fruit i said it's banana but mostly because we we all the the idea of bananas has come up on the on this show too many times for it to be 
Anything else? Damn it. Um, banana. Banana. What were the um, What were the other like hints? I'm curious to hear them. <laughs> oh, the other hints were gonna be things like, sorry. Uh... Wait, let me open it. Etymology. The the this word is thought to be of West African origin, possibly from a word in the Wolof language, and passed into English via the Spanish and Portuguese. Uh, an article on cultivation of this tree is brought down in Al Awan's 12th century agricultural work, work book of agriculture. Uh, this this um, this fruit was introduced to readers by Jules Verne in around the world in 80 days. <laughs> okay, what? Is that, what does this yeah. have to do with Doctor Who? <laughs> well, it's Did they banana. do a Phineas Fogg like episode? <laughs> oh, how come the Doctor has never met Jules Verne? Yeah, I well, guess that's has? kind of what they were going for in like Next Doctor with the like hot air balloon. But wait, wait, is, is Jules Verne the one to the time machine, or is that someone else? That's H.G. Wells. He, he met, he's met he's met H.G. Wells. Um, <laughs> of course, he has. Yeah. <laughs> In Time Lash, as Time Lash. Oh, that's right. That's the one with the like cling film portal that they go through. Yeah, and they don't reveal until the last minute that he's H.G. Wells. So they say, like, oh, his name is Hubert. And at the end, it's like, oh, he's uh, Hubert G. Wells. Oh, it's H.G. Wells. And that man grew up to be Albert Einstein. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, my, uh, Michelle. Yes. Can you see that opening up above us? It's like a portal or something. Oh, That's God. Like... It's it's a crack in time. Oh but not God. the ones from Series 5. So if we go through it, we won't be erased. Oh, oh God. Oh. Uh... Where am I? Uh, hey, David. How's it going? Michelle and Sa- Sa- Hi, Sam. What are, you, what are you doing here? Oh, we were just talking about the Cyberman two-parter, uh, Age oh, of Steel. Yeah, we oh, yeah, I hope I hope you got that one because it seemed like there was a weird thing that happened. Like we we were just we, we just finished up on Girl in the Fireplace, and do you remember oh. that something happened? And we, yeah, right, we right, the weird thing happened. We just stuck into a portal. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, you did. Me and Sammy, we did a whole other episode oh. where we spent oh, like no. an hour doing Ben Shapiro voices. Oh no, but but. <laughs> Oh. Well, uh, you're gonna have fun editing yeah. that. Yeah. Well, um, Sam, thank you for being here. Even though I wasn't here, apparently, um, I don't know what happened there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you have anything you want to plug or anything while we're here? Um, not at the moment. No, I'm. I'm hoping to get some uh, podcasts of my own off the ground soon, but I'm tremendously busy at the moment, and it's it's a massive thorn on my side. But if you want to keep up on anything that I'm working on at the moment, um. Head to twitter.com slash Sammy underscore crow, and then you'll find in amongst the massive shit posts, hopefully some progress. Um, <laughs> that's about the best endorsement I can give for myself right now. Um, uh, uh, so, Michelle, if I was going to look for something to listen to on my, my commute to, to and from normal, non-parallel world locations, um, where could I find them? You could find them on friendlymush.com. 
I think I, I lost track of that uh, leading question. But yes, FriendlyMush.com is where you can find many podcasts, including Potter WhoCast and Full Metal Analysts, the podcast I co-host about the Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood podcast, where we're going episode by episode, analyzing and recapping each episode. You can also find podcasts on the X-Files, on the MTV Golden Popcorn Movie Awards, the Best Kiss Movie Awards, and Gooby-Doo, and... Nintendo 3DS and Wii games, right? Uh, sometimes, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I got a lot of stuff there. It, there's a lot of podcasts. Just go find us at friendlymarsh.com. Yes, and um, next time. I'm sorry, gentlemen. I'm afraid you brought this on yourselves. May I introduce you to my new friend? Jolly nice to meet you. Oh, my God. Is that that woman off the telly? Thank you again. Uh, Michelle, I just want to remind you next week to watch The Idiot's Lantern. Will you, will you remember that? Got it. Go in the fireplace. Cool. Okay. Uh, oh, uh, yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, thank you. And uh, hopefully we can record a proper episode of this one day. Um, I don't know what happened again. And yeah. Um, Oh, can I plug one last thing? If you understood the bit we're doing in this episode, tweet at us at Potter Who Cast. I just want to see it. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, beyond, beyond the grave, lock the gates. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>